Hello everyone, you're listening to Audiobookish. This is an audiobook review and discussion podcast. My name is Fahed Rahman. I'm joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And today our guest is Dr. Imran Lasker. Imran is a consultant radiologist in the NHS, and he's first and foremost a crazy and avid Back to the Future fan, a fan with various bits of memorabilia, which he values more than his children. He's also <laughs> the uh, co-host of the Two Medics podcast. How are you doing, Imran? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's nice to be a guest for a change rather than being the host. Mm. So it's going to be nice. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, your first podcast experience was with me interviewing yes, you that is about true. back to the future yes so yeah. i'm not going to be asking you about that because i already know all <laughs> what all your opinions well we um, spoke about that for about an hour and i could probably yeah. go on for another hour if you really wanted to <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that i'm also a big fan of uh, of those films and i had a birthday a few years ago where my sister went very back to the future themed on all my presents which was great oh, um wow. so yeah that was really good oh mate so. I, i've got a flux capacitor in my yeah. in my room and i went to see the theater show the other day and it was awesome Aww. it was just so good yeah i 100 percent recommend it i'd 100 percent recommend going to watch it if okay, you're a fan fab. yeah no <laughs> definitely oh that sounds yeah. good yeah okay so um we've got you on basically to talk about your five favorite audio books um mm-hmm. so me and imran go a long way back we've known each other since we were what, 11 years old yeah Aww. i think something so. like yeah. that so um yeah, it's kind of, I never really realized that you were kind of into audiobooks until we kind of started having a discussion about them. And you mentioned you started really getting into them when you was uh, driving up to your job in um, Basildon. In, uh, Basildon. So, you know, tell us how you got into kind of um, audiobooks and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I think I've always found it difficult to read. I think, Fred, you've been quite an avid reader over the years and occasionally you'd give me a book to read and I'd do my best, but I always find it very difficult to get through. Um, I don't know whether I've got some underlying issues there, but um, I think, uh, yeah, I started to get into audiobooks when I started doing longer travels to work. And mm. I actually live about an hour away from work. So an hour there, an hour back. And I was getting really sick of listening to the radio. Um, you know, I was getting sick of all the DJs on like Radio <laughs> two, Radio 1 and all that stuff. Like I was just thinking, oh, you know, you lot, don't you have like a bad day? Don't these people just come in and say, look, I'm having a bad day. I don't feel like talking or just, you know, but they always seem so chirpy and I just started getting really kind of drained by that. I started listening to Radio 4, which is quite good, but then I started getting bored because it's kind of the same old stuff again and again. And then I started getting really into audiobooks, got myself, you know, an Audible um, subscription and just started mm-hmm. downloading these things and plowing through books. And it's like... Um, I wish I'd read more and now I can finally read more in a way, mm. if that makes any sense. Like I'm finally becoming a little bit more learned about subjects I'm interested in. Whereas before there's always a barrier that I've got to get that book, sit down and read it. Mm. Now I can just do it in the background. So it's been an absolute game changer for me anyway. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. And what speed do you listen to your audio books? <laughs> this is kind of quite an important question. Well, you know, <laughs> I, only, I, I only recently discovered that you can increase the speed. Mm. So, um, yeah, which is really crazy, isn't it? But, um, I, yeah, I only recently discovered that. And at first I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But then as time goes on, you think, no, I just want to, like, yeah, I, can, I think I can take it a lot quicker than I thought. And so I started mm. to put it to about... 1.75. I haven't gone all the way to two yet. I think that's a bit too much for me just yet. But 1.75 is max. 1.5 is my base baseline. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit similar experience to you, Poppy. Kind of how many of our guests have mentioned long journeys? Yeah. In terms of their audiobook discovery process, isn't it? It's quite interesting that. Yeah, it well, definitely I- is. Sorry, continue. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a shame that there's not more sort of textbooks and stuff like that in audible and aud- mm. audio form, because I feel like I pick up so much more. I learned so much more from all the audio books I've listened to over the years, uh, over yeah. a couple of years, compared to all the books I had to read through through uni. Like I found it very difficult to sit down and read and learn. And audio books been a complete game changer for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were actually, episode that isn't out yet, but the last one we recorded, we discussed about how people, you know, learn differently with it being visual or, or auditory and stuff like that and how that affects things. And yeah, definitely. I also find I pick things up better listening to them or kind of a, a combo of the two. And I think it's getting there, getting more kind of non-fiction stuff, maybe less textbooks yet, but hopefully, you know, with the boom in audiobooks, that sort of thing is hopefully coming uh, coming up. Yeah. I hope so. I've heard of a service where you can actually upload a PDF and then it will become mm. an audio book for you. So I wish that kind of stuff existed when I was studying yeah. because honestly, I, I can just imagine that I could have been going to the gym and learning all the stuff I should have been learning. You know, like <laughs> now you can couple jobs together rather than, you know, having to designate time to sit down and read, which I know is a nice thing to do if you've got time for it. But uh, I don't. I mean, with two kids and a, and a job, it's difficult to... Um, to really sit down and, and read. So that's why I stick the earphones in and do it when I'm doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. You've got two kids, a, a kind of demanding job for the NHS. You're also an entrepreneur kind of running your own online courses and you have a podcast as well. Yeah, so you do, you do shovel a lot onto your plate in one. I do. Yeah. As Fahed knows, uh, you know, as, as, <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, you know, unfortunately, you know, Fahed and I used to see each other a lot. And then ever since mm. I've become more and more and more busy, like I just don't have the time for very many things uh, these days. And so, um, yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? I never, I don't know. I never saw myself as a podcaster. It was just something that happened. And then they started kept going and kept going and it's like now I'm all right. So something else to add to the, um, yeah. to the various things I get up to these days, I guess. Well, I never saw myself as a podcaster either, but I had put a, a post up on a, you know, a group that we were in asking if anyone was interested in audiobooks. And I asked if I could come in and do kind of behind the scenes editing stuff and then ended up on it and really enjoying <laughs> it. So, yeah, it's a nice thing to fall into, isn't it? I think Fahed's the epicenter of podcasting for both yeah, of us. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that started all this craziness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See where it all leads us. So let's, um, let's get started with your first choice. Of, on the audio book it doesn't have to be in any particular order but kind of like what's the first pick that's on your list so i know this guy i've heard should be really cancelled um because of some various things he did on twitter recently but um the label chavage i think that's how you say it mm. uh, by philip pullman is yeah. one of the first audiobooks i got into and i think it was particularly good because they got michael sheen to narrate it and He's a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. And when he does it, he does the voices. You can really get into it. And just, uh, yeah, so I think it's a f- La Belle Chavage. And then you've got the second one as well. So that series so far has just been a phenomenal listen. Um, I can't recommend it high enough. Are you guys into, into Philip Pullman a lot at all? Yes, yes. And now that is very interesting because, so the His Dark Materials trilogy that obviously mm-hmm. kind of comes in the middle between La Belle Sauvage and Secret Commonwealth. I discovered on audio, uh, that was my first introduction to it and is one of my favourite audiobooks, but that was a full cast production. So you had Philip Pullman was doing the narration and then you have an actor for each or pretty much each character's dialogue. Mm. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more about this, listeners, we have an episode on it as well. Um, so yeah, and I really loved that. And then I, because I grew up with that, because I love it so much, I was disappointed that they'd gone with 
Michael for the um, for the next one, and not anything against him, but just because of how much I loved that full cast one. So I ended up um, just reading um, La Belle Sauvage rather than listening to it because, yeah, I felt kind of sad that they'd missed that. And obviously, you know, there's a whole lot of things that goes into that. There's the logistics and cost and all that of a full cast production. There's Philip Pullman. I mean, he said in an, an interview that he found it quite challenging, you know, doing the audiobook. It's a difficult thing to do. So him not being available for the narration will be one thing. And also, like you say, the stardom of Michael Sheen is going to help sales potentially more than a full cast recording would and probably more than a full cast recording would. So there's, yeah, all those things where I can understand why they did it. And it's nice to know that it's clearly good enough that it's bringing people in and it's making people's top fives list. And that's really good, even though I was disappointed. So maybe I should be uh, feeling a little bit better about that decision. <laughs> yes, he's done a very good job. Uh, I mean, he's clearly so good at doing all the voices and he just gets so mm-hmm. into it. I, I think um, it is worth definitely listening to. I mean, if you read it, you read it. But um, I, d- I think the books are done justice from Mm. what I can tell anyway from listening to it so yeah I think that'd probably be one of my favorite books so far that I've been listening to on Audible actually oh good to know I mean if you haven't listened to the his dark materials trilogy Mm. on audiobook they're definitely worth checking out they're really really good Mm. really okay I haven't I haven't actually because I actually read those books during uni and Mm -hmm. I don't think audible books were really a thing or maybe they were in the background I just wasn't really aware of them yeah well Um, I have them on cd so or the first one at least on (laughs) cd so yeah wow that's old (laughs) yeah Yeah. and I think they were recently well we know they were recently re-released because we were given advanced review copies by penguin random house to give our opinion on them and yeah you'll be surprised how much you've forgotten about what Mm. happens in the book I've forgotten loads so it's, it's really nice to go back and kind of rediscover those stories, you know, even stories that you're quite fond with. You, you know, there mm. are things that did surprise me, which is quite, mm. quite nice. Okay. Yeah. And especially with the Belle Sauvage in your head and stuff like that and, you know, Secret Commonwealth and things, it'd probably be, yeah, good to go back. And I always recommend, yeah, if you're looking to absorb those those books then the audio is fantastic and like with you saying about kind of listening to radio this is a slight divergence but um with you saying mm. how you kind of did a lot of listening to radio and radio 4 stuff before moving to audiobooks what did you think about kind of radio dramas radio plays and stuff like that uh, i couldn't really get into them mm-hmm. uh, i mean because i found that you've got to really listen at, at a specific time to be able to catch up with what's going on and right. yeah I just, I just couldn't get into it it was what it's like a sort of the archers or something and it feels like some sort of neighbors show or something like that and um yeah i just yeah <gasps> uh, there is more than just that i would like to yeah, say yeah really? okay yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah i guess i haven't really given it a, a, a mm. chance in truth yeah i've just went straight into audiobooks and podcasts really mm-hmm. and then occasionally listen to the news when it pops up and then I just go back to what I was listening to yeah yeah I mean kind of BBC especially they've got such a really good range of mm. audio dramas available on BBC for sound so you don't need to tune in at a specific time you can just download them and, and listen to them mm. at your leisure so yeah there's that and what's the next book on your list um, so yeah, this is, I mean, it, get, it takes a bit of a turn because then, um, mm. I got into this book called Natives by Akala. Um, oh, yeah. 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 I found this to be really, really great. I mean, I saw, you know, I think it was around Grenfell time when I kind of got to know who Akala, I didn't get to know him, but you know, he starts mm. popping up on TV yeah. and, uh, he was just so eloquent and well, you know, described things so well. And like every time he says something, I was like, you know what? You're right. Like yeah. you're completely right. And then someone said, oh, he's got this book called Natives. I should read it. 
And I thought, you know, I'm going to give that a read because or listen and see what it is like. And I was actually amazed that even though we come from completely different backgrounds and grew up in complete different circumstances, there were so many things that I could relate to. And also just eye opening that, you know, his life experience was what it is based on his appearance. So I found it extremely like really, really fascinating, really, really fascinating. And plus all the kind of parallels he makes with his own experiences and, you know, the historical treatment of of black people basically and how that's affected his life even to this day it's a it, i found a really really good read quite hard hitting but mm. again i'd probably put that up as one of my uh, favorite books something that got me thinking yeah what's the book actually kind of about it's called natives but kind of what's the blurb it's like a bit of a, a bio about his own life and his experience as a black person and you know he talks a lot about the disadvantages that he may have faced being a black person but also kind of makes that parallel between colonialism and, you know, the mm. after effects of colonialism and how, even though it's been so long since all of that, how there are still uh, remnants of that time that still affect society to this day. Uh, yeah, it was just eye-opening, really, really fascinating. I mean, I think it is fascinating. It's kind of something that you touch on quite a lot in your podcast, Two Medics, as well about, you know, different levels of privilege and how that kind of, you know, certain people have got the opportunity to become doctors and other people from different backgrounds don't as well. So I think that's something that you've touched on in your own podcast as well a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I do still think that medicine's quite elitist. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it's no coincidence that the majority of the people that you meet who are doctors come from doctor backgrounds or come from fairly well-off backgrounds, the vast majority, right? And, um, you know, you can't just sit there and pretend that, oh, that's just the way it is. There's clearly a disadvantage to people who don't have certain backgrounds backing them up. I mean, even with the other day, we had a kid who came down for work experience. And I was a bit surprised because, you know, during uh, lockdown, you don't normally get work experience people because, you know, there's a risk of getting COVID. Mm. So I said to him, are you related to someone or something? Like I just straight up said, like, are you related? And he goes, yeah, yeah, my, my, um, my brother's a doctor here. So he got me the work experience. Mm. And I thought, well, there you go, isn't it? Like your average Joe who doesn't have a, a family member who's a doctor or someone in the hospital is not able to do what you're doing right now. So immediately you're at an advantage. And so that, yeah, that's something we do talk about a lot in the podcast that I run. And um, also my own experience of being a brown person in medicine, you think that uh, it shouldn't affect things, but it, it really does. And uh, I speak quite um, extensively about that topic, actually. And uh, it turns out I'm not the only one. You know, there's, there's a whole load of people that end up being in the same situation. Yeah, I think both our, myself and Poppy are kind of interested in careers in like publishing and kind mm. of you know the world of privilege and giving access to you know people from minority communities or less advantaged backgrounds. A big discussion in publishing about how to do that. Yeah, at the moment and Definitely. yeah, and a lot around you know who you know kind of yeah. kind of stuff yeah. that's yeah must be very similar with the industries. Um, it's also really interesting that you mentioned that book because that one was also on my radar. Similarly. Um, kind of current events led me to him and I yeah was like everything you're saying <laughs> makes total sense um, and mm. followed him on social media and then saw that he'd had this book out and yeah have it on my list that it would be mm. and it would be really good but I haven't it's just the list is just so long isn't it and I haven't got, <laughs> haven't got around to it and um, I guess I hadn't considered so much about about the audio but maybe I should give that a listen did you like the audio as like the experience of the audio well, he reads it himself. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, you know, he's so eloquent in the way he mm. says things and describes things. Um, it's a really great, really, really great listen. Uh, I think very much helped by the fact that he did it himself. Yeah. Mm. 
that's fascinating. Kind of, I do mention the grandfather inquiry quite a lot in most of the podcasts that I do. So it's just, it's quite interesting that you brought that up as well. Mm. That's that, that wasn't deliberately planned, guys. For those <laughs> of you got that a bingo card, but um, yeah, it's just I think it is like one of the biggest events that's happened in recent modern history, and like the fallout of it is just going to I think it's going to take decades to to unfold really so yeah it's um it was a terrible event and i don't think anyone's going to be held accountable for it unfortunately Mm. um okay moving on to uh your next book what's next okay i mean this is going to be a bit of a weird one um total recall by arnold schwarzenegger so um (laughs) yeah yeah it's really 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 cool so this is the book that i don't think anyone really realizes a good book because you know obviously we know arnold schwarzenegger is a big guy on the big action movies and stuff but if you take a step back and you know really think about um like who he is and what he did i mean it's just unbelievable like it's just cr- unbelievable that someone i think bill burr does a really great idea yeah. but you know he shouldn't be famous really i mean he he put lists something heavy from one place to another and that is it but this guy has managed to basically make a career out of it then go run for office and things like that and um the first chapter is read by him and it, and this is the chapter where it talks about a lot about his upbringing, his father, his brother, and uh, you know his family, and the background he came from wasn't exactly privileged. And then it's just the story of an absolutely determined person, you know, like absolutely driven. He dared to dream and worked so hard to make it, which was absolutely fascinating. And also on top of that, he does go, and I didn't expect him to, but he goes into. I don't know if you know this, or maybe listeners don't know about this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, had an affair with his housemate. And they had a son and he didn't realize at first, I think, until the kids are looking like him hmm. and uh, the, the, he was married to Maria Shriver. And I think she was pregnant at the time that this happened. Uh, so it's absolutely like, you know, obviously difficult circumstances. And, and he talked quite openly about it. And it was absolutely fascinating because when you hear about that kind of thing, you don't really get to hear what he thinks or what happened and why. Mm. And he doesn't, he doesn't defend it on any level he, at all, but he just talks about it which is something you don't usually get. Uh, so that was that bit of it as well. But what I really took from it was like the actual, um, how he really kind of formulated an idea and went with it wholeheartedly, right? Mm-hmm. Really wholeheartedly. Uh, and it was, yeah, I found it absolutely fascinating. So I know it's an odd one, but it was a really, really good book. And I've actually listened to that twice. That's how good I found it. <sighs> you know, just speaking to you from before, kind of, I know you're quite a big fan of reading biographies about successful people and both myself and Imran are quite big fans of of Arnie. We, you know, grew up watching his movies. I don't know if you grew up watching his movies as well, Poppy. But uh, you know, my my younger nephews, when I say uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they don't know who he is, and <laughs> oh, that's wow. kind of like really kind of odd. Oh, I've got to get you watching like Terminator Two, yeah, and Predator. Mm. And all. <laughs> I definitely know who he is. Don't you worry about that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't claim to be as big of a fan, but no, I'm certainly certainly aware of him. Mm. One of the questions I did get sent over Twitter for you and Rant is how much you're benching at the moment. And I think that's kind of like quite a, a, a propos uh, question, given we're talking about um, talk about Arnie. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, as Fred knows, I'm not a bit, I don't really lift heavy weights. Like, I, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, I deadlift 150 kilos or even 100 kilos. I'm like, how on earth do you do that? Like, I really, really struggle to push big, big weights. And I gave up with that a long time ago. So I probably only really push about 70, 75 kilos on a bench press. But I'm not really pushing myself like I used to. I'm more about like um, the actual move. It, it gets complicated, but it's more about, you know, pushing up quite fast and coming down quite slow and making sure mm. you get a good full range of movement. It's not so much about the weight. And I've actually 
found personally that I gained more from doing that than I did from pushing as heavy as possible because form and everything goes out the window and injuries happen and all that kind of thing. So I don't lift heavy and I don't really want to lift too heavy as well. I think my joints can only take so much the older I get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, definitely true. I've kind of, <laughs> the number of times I've kind of nearly injured. Remember we got, I got into that silly kind of like bench pressing competition with one of your mates while he was working out at your house. I, I think I so. Lifting. Yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of like trying to match him. I was just like, oh, Fed, like your, your form was going out the window. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not worth it. In. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't even get involved in those competitions anymore. It's not worth it because a gym injury is the worst injury because you can't go back to gym and then there's a risk of just falling off gym completely. It's just not worth it. I don't yeah. bother with that kind of stuff anymore. I'm a, I promise it's not because you're a doctor and I'm not asking for medical advice. I promise. But um, <laughs> I, um, I, I do trampoline in relatively seriously and I injured myself uh, last Tuesday doing a move. And yeah, it's similar. It's, it's the worst because the, the pain isn't that bad. I have, you know, dodgy joints and they get injured and it aches and it's a pain but it's not that bad the main issue is I can't trampoline and I've got a comp coming mm. up and I want to and I was really pleased because I was doing this big move that yeah, I was really enjoying and so yeah it does definitely suck yeah it does it really does but that's the worst bit isn't it we all know what it takes to get better it's mm. to stop yeah but you know who's going to stop yeah. is you know you've got to live your life yeah. as well it's difficult yeah yeah so um you mentioned just going back to the audiobook that arnold narrated the first chapter who who does the rest of the narration and that kind of did that affect the the quality of your experience because he's got i can't imagine listening into an entire audiobook with arnold's voice i would find that quite a comedic experience for kind of like one reason i thought that too yeah. but yeah. the thing is like i don't know whether he's got better acting over the years i don't know but he is actually really engaging and it's completely convincing because he's talking about his own life and then when it turned to the other person it felt a bit weird at first like oh i want arnie back mm. but then you kind of get used to it after i was like okay fine like you know I, i'm actually really interested in the story like what's happened why is he thinking that why is he feeling this what made him think that he could do all this stuff uh, i mean it would be hard push to find anyone that managed to do as many things as this guy i, I really do think so yeah you know and that's why it's so fascinating don't you think that's a quite an interesting editorial choice, Poppy, to have? Yeah. Like the author do a little bit and then have someone take over from them? Yeah, well, we've actually had um, from work, it's so exciting to say that, um, a couple <laughs> of audiobooks where like the author has read, say, like the author's note or the prologue and, and that kind of thing. And I assume it's that sort of idea, though often in those ones, it's been you know, the rest of the book hasn't been from their perspective. You know what I mean? So they've read the parts that are from their perspective mm. and then the other parts have been from someone else's perspective and therefore that kind of split sort of works. But I guess I haven't really come across it in a autobiographical kind of way where you'd have that split. And yeah, that's interesting as to where they drew the line and, and, and why. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, it's interesting. It's, I think they've done a really good job of it. So um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I didn't think I could listen to Arnie you know, for that long, but yeah, it was fine. Didn't think twice about it. Yeah. Kind of what was the split there? Was it kind of 50, 50 or like 60, 40 or who did like most of the, the leg work? Oh, no, he, he only did the first chapter and then he disappeared. Okay. He only did the first chapter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He ch disappeared after that. That's really, yeah. I'm curious. I'll, I'll be really curious to find out why they made that editorial decision. Actually. Was it sort it of like an introductory kind of summary chapter? 
No, no, no. It was the first chapter. It was the first chapter going into like his childhood and, you know, the kind of oh, house okay. he lived in with his parents and stuff. And um, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, I suspect Arnold Schwarzenegger's time is worth a little bit more than most. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he's probably got a whole load of things to do. So um, it's probably why he just thought, well, I'll do the first chapter and as long as it sells, it sells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. fascinating. What's the next book? On, okay, on so you list. can see, like, as time goes on, like, where my interests start to go. Mm. Um, the next book is actually Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc, which is the guy that started – well, he didn't start McDonald's. He, he didn't start McDonald's, but he's been uh, accredited for making McDonald's the McDonald's that we know in this day and age, the big M and the big multi-franchise corporate machine that it is. But um, a really fascinating book is it's, it's, so, it's so – I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I feel like I'm getting old already, right, and I'm going to be 38 very soon. But this guy was like, you know, 50, I think it was retirement age. I think he's a lot older than that. And then at that point decides he's going to start a new business and it's going to be this restaurant and he's going to be part of this franchise business and then make it what it is. It just goes to show that like, maybe it's never too late to live out your dreams. Maybe. Mm. I mean, obviously everyone has their own experience, but it's just quite fascinating that there is someone out there that would get all the way to what essentially retirement age and risk it all again. Um, for something that he thinks is going to work. And, and you know, we're ne- I don't think we're going to see another McDonald's any, anytime soon. And that's why I find it such a fascinating story. And as a company as well, like, it's fascinating because, you know, look, look at the number of hits they've taken in terms of health and how much they've affected people. And, you know, they've been attributed to for so many things in terms of corporate culture and all that kind of thing. But they're still there. They're yeah. st- I mean, my kids still get excited about getting McDonald's. They're, <laughs> they're doing something right. So it's a fascinating uh, fascinating book, I think. Anyway, and it just shows you like what kind of how my interests have suddenly started to go towards this area of of reading, actually, which is bad and good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think you know you're an entrepreneur yourself. Kind of, you always had like a bit of a side hustle mm. going on. You know, even when you're like a medical student, kind of trying to set up that um, student study app. Yeah. Have you talked yeah. about your shisha business on your podcast? No, not at all. No, I've avoided that so far. Uh, yeah. So before anyone starts throwing things at me. So basically, sh- shishas are hookahs, uh, which are basically the smoking apparatus um, thing. And I used to do a lot of that back at uni. And then at some point, I thought it'd be a good idea to sell them because so many people wanted them. Yeah, it was just a small thing I tried. And I think that was my first try anything remotely businessy. Um, you know, I set up a website, so importing these things and selling them to people. But then, yeah, it was just, um, I realized that for me anyway, selling physical goods is quite a difficult thing. You've got storage, you've got to mm. ship these things in, you've got to pass them on. There was nothing like Shopify or dropshipping back in those days. And so um, I quickly decided that this is not the kind of thing I want to be getting into. Plus, you know, the job that I do is probably not a good idea to be um, selling that kind of stuff. So um, <laughs> I, I quickly realized it's not, it's not the right avenue for me and where I want to go. And so now I'm more of a entrepreneur of education you know like an infrapreneur i guess that's what i'm calling these days isn't it you're selling information that's such a fucking wanky (laughs) label well that's what someone said to me once and i thought all right well fair enough then if that's what you call it that's what you call it you might as well call yourself an influencer man um (laughs) well i may very well be one of those as well i don't know oh yeah (laughs) kind of one of the leading lights in uh med 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 twitter uh, med twitter (laughs) let's let's talk a little bit about your podcast Mm -hmm. two medics yeah so I've listened to a few episodes in preparation kind of like today and it's kind of it's halfway between like a medical gossip podcast and an advice podcast for kind of like up and coming or current medical practitioners. Uh, Mm. 
How did you kind of like decide upon that kind of format? Uh, okay, so I think you know. First of all, I mean, I think Ferd's got again a lot to do with it. You, you, mm. um, I was on your podcast about Back to Fusion. I actually really, really enjoyed. Maybe I just enjoyed the sound of my own voice. I don't know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed you know feeling like I, I was out there for whatever reason. And then when I uh, finally finished my training, I felt like I wanted to go down the unbeaten path a bit because once you're a consultant, you kind of know where you're going to go. Like, you know, you, medicine is a very sort of treadmill-y sort of job. Like you go from junior to senior, then consultant, and you kind of know where you're going to go. And I felt as I want to do something different. I really felt like I want to do something different. And for a long time, I really looked down on social media and anyone that did anything social media-esque. And then I realized that why though? Like I actually really enjoy getting involved in all of this stuff. I really enjoy getting involved in Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, making jokes, making memes. And then uh, one of my really, really good friends from school uh, called Thrusha. So go check him out on Twitter. He's a really great, fun person. He was really into Twitter and I saw him get into some real ruckuses on Twitter. And I used mm. to message him like, bro, what on earth are you doing? Like, this is completely balmy. Like, why are people like this? And so we initially decided that we were going to do a podcast, but it was going to be about our medical elective, which is a part of medical training where we go abroad for a few months, actually, and learn about medicine in a different country. And we went together to Australia and that was the initial premise. But what ended up happening is every week we tried to meet up, I was just having a bit of a dig at him and vice versa about what he got up to on Twitter that week. And so after a while, I was like, you know what, this seems to be an evergreen subject. Like, it seems to me that there's always something going on on medical Twitter. And why don't we just talk about that? Because it's actually really fun. And um, it sort of morphed because like... I know it is about medical Twitter, but actually medical Twitter basically facilitates the bigger conversation. And what you see is that medical Twitter echoes the bigger conversations happening in the medical mm. field. So, you know, it could be anti-Tory for one week. It could be the idea that um, we're bringing in too many foreign doctors for one week. You know, people think that and feel that. And so we end up talking about those subjects. So med Twitter is more of a facilitator of the bigger conversation. And, um, yeah, the final thing that you, you talked about is, uh, is like being a bit of an advice column. And I think what's ended up happening is, as Fahed knows, I, I really struggled during medical school through my training. And, um, you know, it's not that sort of um, lovely story of passing everything and smashing through and becoming some sort of heroic dog. That's not my story at all. And so I've kind of felt as though it might be worth just being open and honest about the fact that you don't have to be an amazing person in terms of academically to be able to get to what people think is a good point. And through talking about this this stuff, I realized that, you know, now being a consultant, I've had a bit of experience in training and experienced some of the things that people talk about. And so I ended up talking about that. And people find it useful, I think. I don't know. People seem to be enjoying it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just do it and it's fun so far. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. very fair. And like yeah, advice doesn't just need to be from, you know, things went really well. And in fact advice works a lot better if it's from an experience of, you know, finding something harder and um yeah having an actual lesson to pass on to people and and just that comfort of you know it's not super easy we know it's not super easy um mm. don't expect it to be and don't worry about it so yeah and it's really interesting what you say about the twitter and sort of like we said about how you get in representation stuff like that but it is really fascinating that we're in such separate industries and yet a lot of things are so similar because, you know, there's also publishing Twitter, which is massive and which, again, facilitates a lot of wider discussions, again, around things like representation and stuff like that. But I 
found when I was looking for a job and you know everyone's like oh you've, you've got to be on publishing Twitter everything happens there it was just so toxic and horrible I hated it um mm. so yeah I kind of ugh no as soon as I could get out of there I, I have and I kind of don't keep up with it even though I know there is a lot of important conversations and stuff going on there so yeah I'm sort of interested as to how you you managed to absorb that toxicness and, and kind of cleanse it, I guess, and make a funny <laughs> podcast out of it. I mean, you don't get away with it completely in terms of, you know, it does take a little bit of a toll. Mm. But I get this is what I was telling someone else the other day. Like, if I had decided to do this podcast, all this social media stuff 10 years ago, I don't think I'd be ready for it personally. I don't think I was right. in the right space, place, mm. maturity level. Like, I don't think I was all there. But I feel like now I've got, I'm a bit more confident as to who I am as a person, what I feel, mm -hmm. what I'm open to uh, learning about and willing to take on learning experiences from others as well. So like even something really like small, it, doesn't, it sounds silly, but, you know, I'm, I'm a brown person. So I felt as though I could relate to black people's experience of life. But as in now I've ended up being involved in MedTwit and seeing, you know, their experience actually being very different from my own it does make you realize that everyone's got their own experience and I can't always relate to those things thinking. And when initially I thought I could, but I can't. And so there's been a massive number of like positive things that have come from, for me anyway, in the midst of all that toxicity, there's mm. been really poignant moments of, you know, listening to someone having a difficult time at work because of where they're from uh, or someone dealing with something difficult at work and remembering what it was like for me to be there. Because these kind of memories just shove in the back of your head. You don't want to think about it ever again, mm. but they come forward again. And actually, especially since I started talking about failure and not passing your exam straight away and plowing through and trying hard and never giving up despite what people say, it sounds cliche, but I started getting messages from people saying it's really nice to have someone out there saying, talking about their experience. Yeah. Because all you ever hear is success. That's all you ever hear mm -hmm. about. And then if someone, I mean, Fahad knows me very well, but I'm far from a, you know, the story of success if you really look back. But, you know, if someone may look at what I've got, you know, what I look like right now and think, oh, well, you know, you, you've got quite fine, you've done really well. But actually, it's been a culmination of multiple failures, like every single failure you could imagine happened. And then one day it worked. And so maybe mm. there's a story of perseverance. I don't know, but people seem to like it. And if it helps people, it helps people, you know, mm. whatever. It's good. I think it's curious you mentioned the word perseverance because I think, in the, especially in the last couple of books that you've mentioned, kind of about Arnold Schwarzenegger and about one of the founders of McDonald's, I think perseverance is a pretty big theme. I imagine, I'm not having read the books, I imagine perseverance is kind of a pretty big theme in both of those books. Yeah, I think those are the things I took from it, you know, uh, and maybe it just relates to something my dad always told me and, you know, you're influenced by your parents, I guess. And he always said, look, if you want something long enough, you're pretty much going to get it. Like, that's the way it is. All right. And he was, he said that was true for his life. And so, and so far anyway, it seems to be true for me. Like, yeah, if things take longer. Yeah. But, you know, within reason, right? Like, I mean, if I came here and said to you guys, like, I'm going to be the next Eminem rap star, then you'd be like, mm. listen, like, you ain't going to rap anytime soon, but within reason. So if you say to me, like, you guys want to get into publishing and, uh, and that kind of industry, to me, like, there are other people, if other people can do it, if you, if there are other people that, that can do that legitimately, then there's no reason you can't. It's just a waiting game. is isn't how much yeah. time you want to put into it. That, that's the way I see things. No, definitely. And I mean, waiting game is definitely the, the way to use both of head and I have found how difficult that wait can be. And, you know, other people on the Publishing Hopefuls group on Facebook that we met through have certainly found that. And I think it's kind of similar to what you're saying. You hear a lot about success you know, and I certainly heard a lot when I did, you know, a load of research and a load of 
webinars and various things about getting into publishing and there was a load of oh yeah it's it's gonna be hard but blah 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 and just sort of that was it it was hard hard was Mm. was the only thing and I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate there are different levels of hard you know there are you know school is hard uni's hard things are mm. you know and then but when you go through those milestones you know with the hard work you think great well I can do hard stuff and then mm. no one had actually mentioned the time frame <laughs> until quite, that seems to be quite a, a recent thing that's come it is now being mentioned more but certainly yeah when I was researching you know years prior to that it was not mentioned anywhere that you could potentially be waiting you know up to a year after you finish uni or or you start applying before you get a look in kind of thing mm. and uh yeah it's i think i think like you said it's about hearing other people's experiences you know mm. and i think for a lot of people especially like we've mentioned if you do know the right people you can just fall into it you know mm. and i think that probably applies yeah. for both industries but it's good to know that it's not a one track for everyone there are so many different routes into the career that you want whatever that happens to be yeah, yeah I, I think that's why yeah. yeah sorry go ahead imran no 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 carry on so I was just going to mention uh, on one of your, your podcasts, you mentioned you're, you're mentoring someone at the moment. I think mm. mentorship, I think is quite important kind of whatever industry you're working in kind of, I had a mentorship in marketing and that really helped me out kind of sort out my CV and stuff. And, you know, I think mentoring is a great way to kind of grant access to those connections that might help you kind of get that job or find those skills and confidence that you need to apply for those roles. Mm. And then also kind of the flip side of that. So I haven't had a kind of specific mentor and I think we actually applied to the same creative access um, mentory thing, but I sort of think I would have found it really a difficult demand on my time kind of on top of, you know, putting in all these applications to also be doing the work for the mentorship thing. And I think it is really interesting to think, you know, it's been super helpful for you. It probably would have been helpful for me, but equally I found other ways to learn the, you know, help those skills. My uni career service was helpful. You know, some occasional people that I'd worked with have been helpful, persevering with it, been helpful. And yeah, so it's, I think just because I've heard about kind of, you know, mentorships and stuff like that, I'm worried that, I, you know, back then worried that I was never going to get a job unless I committed to getting a mentor, you know, and unless I committed mm. to all, all that time. And yeah, it's important to know that, yeah, that might be super helpful for you. That might be the thing that you want to do, or it might not be. And that is also okay. Yeah, I guess so. But I've, I've recently become more of a convert to getting mentorship myself. And I think Fred is talking about uh, an episode where I did talk about having my own mentor, but more to do a, like a business mentor who helps mm. me sort of figure things out. And, you know, in truth, you know, th- as we both know, there's many ways to get to where you want to get to, but it's sometimes really, really useful just to have someone listen and give you yeah. a perspective that you didn't have. And um, the guy told me, I mean, the, the mentor guy that I ended up taking up, he was saying to me, listen, you know, it's, it's very likely you're going to do quite well in the business that I'm in, but you might get there faster if you do take on a mentor. And that's all it is. Mm. And actually, he is completely right. Like every time I felt as though, you're, you know what, I'm going to do it my way, it ends up being like, oh, I end up going back to his way because he kind of saw it from mm. a different point of view that I didn't see. Because when you're in the situation, it's different from when someone's not sort of as emotionally involved uh in the in the situation so i Mm. i do think that mentorship is actually like if you can find a good mentor then it's really worth its weight in gold if that's the right phrase to use like for me personally if i could take more mentorship, like even if let's say i wanted to go and get super big in the gym i can't i'll probably get there on my own you know it'd be a bit of work i'll meander my way through but undoubtedly the easiest way to do it is the same way the hollywood people do it 
yeah. get a trainer. CRT. Yeah, well, there's that yeah, too, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> with guidance. Human growth hormone. Yeah. With, guide, with guidance, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not yeah. just doing it. You know, I could do that, but I wouldn't know what I'm doing and how to do it. But if you have mm. professionals involved, that's just a different – then you completely change the game. So um, I do think it's worth it, personally. That's definitely fair, yeah. And yeah. I think, I guess, sort of meaning if you don't feel you have the time or if you're struggling to get a mentor for, you know, various reasons, things like definitely taking advice from people. Yeah, Mm. definitely, you know, people with more experience, even if it's not an official mentorship, definitely, yeah, listen to people. Um, Mm. You know, I'm really lucky in my current job that the people above me are really keen on helping me progress and teaching me more and taking the time to explain something rather than just tell me, you know, um, Mm. and that kind of thing. So, yeah, certainly some kind of mentoring figure is always really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's get back on track with the uh, with your debut. So, what's the next one? So then, um, the other one is again slightly down the entrepreneurship row. Is the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, which sounded like a scam when I first mm. saw it, and I thought clearly you've made a book called the Four Hour Work Week, so you can have a Four Hour Work Week. I mean, that's just what it is. But actually, yeah, I I kept you know watching YouTubers and all them. They mention it again and again. I thought, you know what? Let me listen to this. I need to know what this is about. Why are people talking about it? And it's actually absolutely fascinating because it. Like, you know, what? okay, for my career anyway, I know that once you're a doctor, once you're a consultant, your time is suddenly worth a little bit more than it used to be, right? So you're no longer, you know, £10 an hour. It's a little bit more than that. But then what you don't realize is that you're still having to put hours in. Yeah, The hours are still having to go. Regardless of what your worth is, you know, even if you're worth £1,000 an hour, which is not the case, by the way, um, <laughs> if you were worth £1,000 an hour, you still have to put in an hour in. And so this was actually talking about being more efficient with your time, harnessing the internet and harnessing the technology that we have that actually you become independent of time to make the money that you make. And uh, although it has happened on some level, it's completely changed the way that I think and look at things. Like I actually value time more than I, I used to. Um, you know, so like with my father, as Fahad knows, uh, he used to run a property business. And so let's say the washing machine broke, he'd be gone. You, we wouldn't see him for the whole day. He'd be going to fix that washing machine. But now I look at things, I think to myself, okay, look, I could either pay someone else to go do that washing machine and mm. go and do what I'm meant to be doing and make more money than it would cost me the time that it would take me to fix the washing machine. And so that change in time frame, you start to realize that actually my time is the most precious thing I've got because it's finite as far as I'm aware. And so I should be holding on to that more than I am the value that people put my time to be worth. Mm. So uh, I found that to be a really fascinating book. I think everyone takes different things from it, but that's what I took from it. And I think it's really affected the way I um, decided to sort of focus my career. Wow. Yeah, that is really interesting. I mean, I think from a publisher point of view and people who get into publishing, you already know this because if you write a book, you know, that book could potentially, you know, make money in your sleep. The, the more mm. books it sells, the better. But that hasn't always been the case for other industries, especially some of that medicine, until you start to do on-demand teaching, teaching in, you know, uh, you know, over the internet on Zoom and all that stuff, because then all of a sudden you're not bound by time, you're not bound by space, mm. um, you're not bound by, you know, how big the room is and all that kind of thing. And so that's that's been a, like a really, really interesting book, and I'd highly recommend anyone that's got a remotely entrepreneurial side to them to read it. Some of it's a little bit out of date, but I think a lot of it is still very, very appropriate for this day and age. Mm. No, that's super interesting. It's sort of something I've found with going from, you know, work that I've done that has been paid by the hour 
Mm. kind of online tutoring that I did and um some freelance stuff that I did to then you know being on a a salary job and it it is a weird shift because you do spend a lot of time thinking or at least I did anyway of kind of thinking okay well this thing that I could buy is worth this many hours you know (laughs) like if I had Mm. a big purchase coming up and I kind of thought okay well that's a day's work kind of thing and would try and segment my salary into okay well what am I getting per hour then and Mm. uh yeah kind of needing to shift a little bit away from that and think more about yeah getting the job done well yeah exactly yeah it focuses you as well like for example you know there are so many things you could buy but do you really need it you know and it comes back to like okay if you start to quantify things about how much time it takes then you start to realize actually you know i'm I'm trading finite resource for something that may not actually give me the happiness that i want or think is going to get me therefore it's not worth my time because actually that's what you're trading time for money money for time it's the same thing if that's how you make your money, obviously, if you're independent of time and money, if you know, if those two things aren't related, like actually in the book, he touches upon the fact that hopefully if you can do things right, when someone says to you, what do you do for money? It's actually different from what you do with your time. They're not actually completely related things. If you can do it correctly, if you can do it according to the way he does it in this book. And so that's fascinating. Like there's just a kind of change in the way to think, I think is a real game changer. Mm. Yeah, I know you kind of, both of us enjoy kind of reading self-help books and Mm. that sort of thing. So yeah, that's a great shout, great recommendation. And Mm -hmm. he's also got his own podcast Podcast. as well, hasn't he, Tim Ferriss? Yeah, yeah. Massive podcast, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. massive podcast. Okay, so I think those are your top five Mm audio books. I did put out on the Audio Bookish Pod Twitter, you know, we've got Imran on. Have you got any questions that you want me to put to him? So I've got a few here. Uh, Imran, are you happy to kind of um, answer those in the kind of last 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. That you got you for. So Mm -hmm. um, is it true that you accidentally agreed to do a scan on a patient not realizing that patient was a poodle and this is a reason why you do not like dogs yeah it's been going on around <laughs> a lot recently i mean look if i had have i ever liked dogs in the entire time that you've known me <laughs> mm, uh, no well the thing is i think you over egg your dog hatery really i think yeah I think, yeah i mean that, you know when that um when that massive alsatian moved next door to your parents house i think he's a little bit in love with that dog it was a husky it was a husky it was a lovely it was a lovely dog i have got to admit that was a lovely (laughs) lovely dog yeah i I was actually sad when that left i think the family couldn't look after anymore and they had to give it away this was years ago um no i don't i don't look i i just um i'm not a dog person if i had to choose between pets it probably wouldn't be a dog and i don't really find people's dogs all that uh cute really and but i find that over the years that people find that really weird and i find that weird um, you know, <laughs> like the other the other day i'm at work and then one of the people who work with me showed me a picture of their dog and i don't think dogs are particularly pretty in the first place but then they go and show me a hairless dog and then i was sort of quiet she goes what's wrong and i was like that dog's hairless she goes yes yeah, so i said why has it got no hair she goes well that's the breed i was like what do you mean breed like why no that's just weird and she got really upset with me and i was like look i didn't insult your kids here i'm just saying that's a weird looking dog and she was really upset with me and i thought all right sorry i mean i didn't realize how much people like love their dogs so much and so that's why i kind of play on like i find it really funny that um you know like uh, people love these things so much i mean yeah you know fair enough like each their own i mean i definitely i i love my pets and they're very much Ooh, kind what of have you got family um i have a large number of cats <laughs> uh, <laughs> and two dogs and we've had um rabbits guinea pigs mice hamsters in the past so yeah i'm definitely mostly a cat person for sure and yeah yeah, they're definitely they are they do mean a lot to a lot of people kind of you know with you saying about kids and and stuff 
they very much do mean a lot and I have certainly I've people some people don't get this people who aren't pets people don't get this but I have grieved a lot more for pets that I've lost than certain people in my life mm. that I have lost because <laughs> they're bad people um <laughs> and and you know but you know even relatively immediate family members a particular recent one it's you know I've not taken any time off work for that but I took time off work recently when one of our cats died because mm. yeah those kind of connections that you have with pets are are wonderful but yeah I mean if you know people find different things cute yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean look, yeah. I, I'm not saying this and I mean look I think if I had a pet I'd probably you know get into the whole pet thing but you know it's just like you know when with a hairless dog right it's like if someone insults my kid it'd be like okay well you know you might be you know insulted some of the features that they share with me you know, and therefore that insults me. But if I'm kind of said that, oh, I think that hairless dog is a bit weird looking. I'm not really insulting anyone, really. Like I'm, not, I'm just saying this is a weird looking dog. Why has it got no hair? It's just an odd thing. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, yeah, I've took a lot of grief for that, and um, yeah. and then I think I put a tweet out, and I think as a joke, I said, look, tweet me your dog pictures. And I'll tell you whether they go in the bin. And I didn't think anyone was going to take it. <laughs> but wow, I started getting hit with loads of dogs. And they were like, Imran, will this go in the bin? I was like, yes. Will this go in the bin? Yes. And I was just joking with these people. And they were just kept giving me more and more pictures of their dogs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, keep going, people. Love it. It's yeah. a good little laugh. I, I think yeah. people can tell I'm joking, really. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, well, kind of when we were in that Facebook group together so uh, poppy me and imran were in a facebook group together called mm-hmm. we hate dogs no. and it's really, we hate we, we, we hate, we hate yeah. dog yeah. owners and some people infiltrated the group and you know decided they wanted to stalk imran and kind of like, report him to medical school and yeah, yeah. stuff yeah. like that yeah, yeah, yeah. it was so, all a bit crazy i was like relax everyone just chill out you know like uh you know what well, anyway it's one of those things yeah people yeah. uh listening to your your podcast you know will realise that I'm, I, I was too a member <laughs> of that group. Yeah, yeah, all okay. those years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, yeah, all those years ago. Um, let's see what else is there. Uh, what is your favourite takeaway? So I did kind of tease that um, there might be some chicken burger chat on the pod. Yeah, so, it, I mean, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, isn't it? Actually, as a year ago, I, you know, I was always into chicken burgers, but then I got married and then I started getting into sushi. So actually, I order more sushi these days than I do chicken burgers. And I think it's very much influenced by what my wife uh, is into. But I enjoy it. I, I've really got into sushi these days. And I don't know whether that's um, a mark of getting old. I don't know. But um, yeah, takeaway these days is sushi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, not what you expected. Yeah. Sushi. Well, yeah. You know, poncy medical guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say caviar. I said sushi. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what were you two looking at when you took the two medics profile pick? Ah, yeah. So um, when we made the podcast, I thought it might be a good idea to have our face. Initially, there was no faces on the podcast, but I thought it might be a good idea to have our faces on the podcast so that we're more relatable. People know who we are. You know, it just means that you feel like you're talking to a person or listen to a person. But I don't think I could have done that whole like, you know, Hollywood looking at the camera, give the smolder kind of thing. So Therusha <laughs> uh, and I, uh, we decided to try and make it look like we are looking at something. Uh, you know, when these, someone's done something really weird, you're like, oh, wow, what have you done? Like, why would you do that? And that's kind of how I look at Twitter sometimes. And I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, wow, why on earth would you do that? So my face looks like in complete shock. Like, that's just weird, man. And Therusha's got this genuine look of concern, like, are you okay? Kind of thing in that picture. <laughs> so that's where that came from. Uh, the idea of looking shocked and concerned. 
Yeah, and that's what we do with all our guests. We always say, if you give us a picture, just make sure it looks like you're shocked, concerned, surprised, something along those lines. And thankfully, everyone's played along really well with that. <laughs> okay, um, this will be the last question I'll put to you from Twitter. There's, there's a few more, but they're kind of quite medical related. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, <laughs> is it true that you stole Farouche's hair in his sleep so you can make your own locks more luscious? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Farouche, he talks about his hair loss, which is good, I think. I think a lot of people go through that and I can imagine it being devastating. Yeah, I'm going through but that at the moment. You're now. going through that. And yeah, you yeah. insulted a hairless dog, so, you know, you're not helping <laughs> the you situation, go. are yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. But genuinely, Farouche, I mean, as you can tell probably from the picture, is a very good looking guy and um, he pulls it off really, really well. And uh, it just doesn't matter how many times I tell him that, you know, almost I would say that he looks better actually with the short hair or the, the you know, partly almost shaved head. But, you know, fair enough. Like he, I can imagine, you know, missing it and I'm obviously not going to keep my hair forever. So I do um, appreciate it as much as possible. But I think Farusha is one of the people that does actually look quite good without his yeah. hair. He's, so, he's got a yeah. good shaped head. He's got a good, he's got a good face. Yeah. I mean, he's got cheekbones, yeah. got a good color. Yeah. You know, he's, he's cool, man. He's a cool looking guy. So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't, I think, you know, I think he gets a bit fixated on his hair, but he's, um, he pulls it off, man. He really does. Yeah. So, yeah. Just tell him to go to one of them Turkish barbers that kind of super glue. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done that? that? Have you ever done that? No, Fred? no. I have <laughs> taken to dyeing my beard recently though. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, around about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. So yeah. uh, we're coming up to an hour. Um, mm. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Is there anything you want to plug or tell our listeners about in terms of, you know, the podcast, any courses you're running, anything like that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what you're into, I guess. Like, I think obviously I run the podcast and it's a very medical conversation, but I think the medical conversation really does affect us all. Mm-hmm. Um, as anyone who uh, interacts with the NHS, who's got family in NHS, I think a lot of the things we talk about are our own struggles, but there are the struggles of everyone on some level. Um, you know, yeah. if your doctor's not happy, if they're not being looked after, uh, if they're suffering from something, I, I know it affects, you know, there's so many walks of life, but I think it may be interesting for some people to know that that happens to us too, that we're human beings too. Like, you know, there's a whole load of stuff that's happening against GPs right now. You'll see in the headlines, they're not doing yeah. enough face-to-face. But what people don't realize is that there's more to a GP than seeing people face to face. There's paperwork, there's referrals and all that kind of thing. And I, until you really talk to a GP or talk to medical professionals, all you get is headlines. And I do think it may be worth not, I mean, not just my podcast. There's loads of podcasts out there from medical people, but it is worth having a listen to and just figure out what it is from their point of view rather than just watching the headlines and believing what is being said about the medical profession as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I found that when I was listening to it, I mean, I'm not medical myself. I know friends and family who are, and I um, <laughs> have spoken about this before. I watched a lot of hospital programs and uh, and love those, but obviously not then they're, they're not real. Um, <laughs> but I I still found it I found it really interesting. I found it interesting both because I do have that sort of side interest in medical stuff for those reasons, but also just yeah, general as a human kind of stuff. It kind of remind me of who we were talking about a book called Small by Claire Lynch, reviewed on a, yeah. a recent episode. And yeah, it's the kind of thing where, so that was talking about fertility treatment and premature birth, though, as we discussed, it's about a lot more than that. And it's the kind of thing where, yeah, you might think, oh, I'm not interested in that. So the book isn't going to be for me. You might think I'm not medical. So the podcast isn't for me. But actually, yeah, there's so much that's just about like life and people and society and all sorts that mm. makes it really interesting to listen to. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. like for me, the main thing that I took from it is how you manage those tricky working relationships in mm. terms of, you know, you've got someone in that most businesses are quite hierarchical and how, how you kind of may, maybe start challenging the way someone above you is behaving when they're behaving in unacceptable manner. So that's kind of one of the things that I took from it. So there, you know, there's something there for everyone, really. And uh, where can people find you on the internet, Imran? You know what? These days, I was actually telling someone at work, it's easier to get me on Twitter than it is via my work email. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you um, look me up on Doc Lasker, D-O-C-L-A-S-K-E-R uh, on Twitter, it's pretty much a username for everything on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I, got, I do have a YouTube channel, but that's kind of a bit nerdy. I don't know if anyone's into that, but you can go check it out if you want to. But yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm on most profiles. Imran's TikTok is, um, is quite good. Uh, oh really? You like right. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. um, <laughs> Thanks, man. So, uh, January, thank you for for taking the time out of your day to yeah. Thank to you speak so much. Us, uh, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, nice. It's nice being a guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you could please subscribe, leave a rating review on whatever podcast app you've found us on, it really just helps us keep the the podcast going and help discoverability, all that good stuff. If you want to use the affiliate link to start your own podcast, they kick us a little bit money towards us as well. Or if you just want to put a tip in the chip jar, that also helps keep the lights on. Uh, Poppy, have we decided what book we're doing next? Yes, yes. So we've both got review copies for Somebody Loves You by Mona Arshi. And we ended up picking up this one because the print publisher is Under the Stories, which is where I did an internship and some freelance stuff and they're fab. Um, So that was why it caught my eye and we ended up requesting that. And I actually was at their 10th anniversary celebrations recently and Mona was there and gave a little bit of a reading from um, Somebody Loves You. So I already know that she's got a great reading voice. So I'm looking forward to listening to that and yeah, chatting to you about it. Yeah, and that might be our final episode of this season mm-hmm. uh, so do tune in for that and then we'll let you know when we'll be back we will be back <laughs> we will be back because just uh, i'm starting a new job soon and you know, puppies, yeah <laughs> uh yeah so uh, yeah thank you um so and you know poppy's quite busy work and i need to figure out what my timetable is going to be so yeah so uh thank you guys for, for listening and supporting the pod and mm-hmm. all that good stuff okay let's say bye everyone bye bye, bye. bye.